Life Audio. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We want families to come here and gain insightful strategies that empower them to successfully teach diverse learners at home. Hosted by founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool, Peggy Ployer. Our goal is that these powerful weekly conversations will boost your confidence to cultivate the best at-home learning environment for your student. For more homeschool resources, go to spedhomeschool.com. You're listening to Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. We'll start the conversation with Peggy and her guests next. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast, to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on The Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool, a nonprofit that empowers families to home educate diverse learners. To learn more, visit spedhomeschool.com. Here's Peggy Ployer. Today we're going to talk about options for teaching nonverbal students when words don't work with special guest Martha Gabler. Welcome, Martha. We're nice and glad to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you. I'm really thrilled to be here talking about this very important topic. Yes, it is. It's it's becoming more and more important as more parents are realizing that they can homeschool a nonverbal student. And the resources are just starting to emerge out there. And so parents are are just scrambling for how do I do this? I, I think it's possible. I know it's possible. I think I can do a better job than, than the school is doing. Um, not that the schools are bad, but, um, but a lot of times there's just too many students and our students need so much individualized attention. And so, um, so thank you for being willing to share from your wisdom, your experience. Um, and, um, and if you're just popping on the show, I promise you, you're going to really enjoy this conversation and getting to know Martha and um, what she has to share. So um, we would love you to be able to be involved in this conversation. So put your comments, your questions in the feed whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, um, we, we welcome that. And um, we want you to know that um, your, your questions and your comments matter. And we want to make sure that they get addressed if you're joining with us live. We do have some people that submitted questions ahead of time um, through our, our e-blast that went out last night. And we'll be including those in this conversation as well. We have um, printed those out and added them to the list of questions that I will be, be asking Martha. So, um, so don't fear your, your questions will get answered. <laughs> um, so, so Martha, as we're getting started, I would love if you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to needing to find alternative teaching methods. Well, thank you very much, Peggy. Um, my husband and I have two children, two boys, and the younger one, Douglas, um, by age three, we, of course, have realized 
that he had autism. Not only yeah. did he have uh, autism, but very severe autism, hmm. uh, nonverbal, self-injury. Oh, yeah. All yeah. of the difficult communication issues, very difficult, disruptive behaviors that went on basically around the clock. Right. So yeah. um, you could barely even get your hands on him when he was a toddler because he was screaming and running and stomping and bouncing and bouncing on chairs and then more screaming and some tantrums. And that was his day. That yeah. was his day. So he was very difficult, very challenging in that way. And um, we knew we had a big problem. Right. But pretty early on, we realized we had to homeschool because the knowledge was simply not there in the official systems. And uh, so then how do you do that with that kind of a learner? Right, exactly. And that set me off on what ended up being a four-year quest. Wow. So I spent my first four years kind of searching and then the right. next four years figuring out how to put it all together. But of course, pretty quickly we encountered um, ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis, right. which was a beautiful science where you increase productive behaviors with positive reinforcement. It's a beautiful science, but of course, as far as a service, there was no way we could get it. There were so many bureaucratic obstacles and financial obstacles. So right. I read books and I figured it how, how kind of how to do it myself. And my son made good progress with that. The typical homeschool parent. <laughs> he, made, he made good progress, but right. um, the behaviors were still so wild and so yeah. unpredictable. And I think the pro the kind of official programming that was at that point, you know, this is 25 years ago now we're talking, 24 right. years ago that all this was going on. You know, remember the internet did not exist. Exactly. No when I started homeschooling, it, yeah, it was forms. <laughs> Facebook, you know, right. cell phones. I mean, some people did, but I mean, the kind of phones you have nowadays, no Facebook, no, no social media. Um, there were still... Uh, debates on the news about does your business actually need a website right and, exactly yeah. <laughs> so think back to a different time yes and um so of course you know even finding information was yeah difficult i mean you were, we were still going to libraries exactly so that mm -hmm. was all difficult but i pursued ABA, and then I learned about verbal behavior therapy, also a great option for children with autism. Uh, from there, I also learned about uh, direct instruction, which is a phenomenal right. um, yep. curriculum. Phenomenal curriculum. Many homeschoolers yes. use this we famous too. Teach your child to read in 100 easy lessons. Yep. 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 That's mm -hmm. fabulous. Also learned about a um, very good data collection approach called precision teaching, which is um, yes. a little more complex. And if you can get some help with that, it's great. But all of those steps, they, and they're all wonderful. And my son made a lot of progress, but I, we were still having the explosive behaviors. And then finally, in one little listserv somewhere, there was a footnote Oh, wow. I know that's how that's what it is. <laughs> a footnote. But you even that, saw it, right? I, <laughs> I read footnotes very diligently now. <laughs> there, was, there was a footnote that mentioned a book, called, uh, mentioned a woman by the name of Karen Pryor and her interesting work with training. And I thought, oh, my, you could really use some training. So I pursued it and I read her book, which is. This intriguing title, Don't Shoot the Dog. Okay. Prior. Now, it is not a book about dog training. It is a okay. book about <laughs> using behavioral positive reinforcement and this wonderful little gadget. This is called a tagger or a clicker. Yes. And it is how you mark a behavior. This is how you mark a behavior. And then you hand over your little reinforcer to your learner and your learner realize, hey, that thing I just did was really good because I got a treat. Hmm. What was it that I did again? And then, 
oh, that. So this book really opened up my eyes as to how I could deal with the many, many really difficult problems of our child. And, um, you know, for autism parents who have children more in the severe end of the spectrum, these problems are common, the running around. Yes, absolutely. I was going to say when you were describing that, I'm like so many of our listeners can relate to you. Yeah, and walking to the car, getting into the car, sitting in the car and not rocking and kicking the seat and screaming and hitting your head and then getting through the grocery store. That's a huge challenge and all of that. And these problems are so severe that many families find themselves landlocked. Yeah, absolutely. At home and like maybe dad goes out to get the groceries. I've even known of families where they go in two cars so that if a child has a tantrum, he can be, he or she can be immediately driven home. After a word from our sponsor, we'll dive back into this conversation. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool. Go to spedhomeschool.com to get resources and support for teaching your unique learner at home. I don't think we should have to live like that personally, but I didn't know how to solve it. Anyway, I read this book and I solved the problem and I finished reading the book. And the next day in the morning, I went downstairs and my two sons were there and we had to go somewhere. And my son, Douglas with autism, erupted into a tantrum. And I had finished reading the book, and I thought, I should be able to figure this out. And I thought, <laughs> what do I want to reinforce? What can I reinforce? And I oh, looked at yes. And so he was screaming. And I thought, well, I don't want him to scream. I want him to be quiet. And I noticed that there were split seconds of quiet mouth. Because right. we would scream and scream eventually. <gasps> you have to breathe. You have to breathe. <laughs> so... As soon as this, the split second, the <gasps> I tagged that and gave him a little piece of candy. So I continued tagging quiet mouth. And then, of course, his hands were waving around. And yep. I, I don't want his hands up there. I want his hands down. So as soon as even one arm came down, I would see it going down. Tag that action of going down. So soon his hands were down. And right. he was running around. But occasionally, like he would come to a wall and he would have to stop because he couldn't go running any further. So for that split second, he had both feet on the ground, 
give a treat. And I was in this kind of daze, you know, quiet, right. hands down, feet still. And in 12 minutes, he was sitting on the sofa like this. Wow. That's, that's what it happened. That's what happened. That's dramatic. Yes. And I happened to look at the clock when I started. I don't know why I thought about that, but I thought I'm going to see when I start, when I stop and what happens. And right. in 12 minutes, that tantrum was whoosh. Wow. And it's ironic because in the ABA world, the one rule number one is don't reinforce a tantrum. You know, you don't want to encourage a tantrum. Right. But a tantrum is has a lot of in specific yes. individual physical behaviors in it. Absolutely. And what you can do with this and only with this tool is you can catch that split second of a behavior that is good. Quiet mouth is a good behavior. Right. Autism, hands down, is a good behavior. Not running around like crazy, and but having both feet on the floor is a good behavior. We want to encourage those good behaviors. And that's what I was able to do in that first 12-minute experience I ever had with tagging. And then we went on our way, and everything was fine. And I was euphoric because I thought, oh, I can imagine. <laughs> yes. I don't ever have to be afraid of a tantrum again. If I get a tantrum, I just watch for quiet mouth, watch for hands down, I watch for, you know, both feet on the floor. And because I diligently tagged these pro productive behaviors during the tantrum, he, his tantrums overall diminished rapidly. Wow. And as time went on, they happened fewer and fewer times because if he did erupt, he knew he would be calmed down. And of course, so, um, you know, that was just a, a stunning introduction to it for me. And there were so, so much more going on in this situation than just that. For example, I never once used my voice. Yes. Okay. I never once spoke to him. I didn't have to go near him. Some kids, when they have these tantrums, they can become violent. Right, so exactly. And people, back. parents can get hurt. Yes. yes. So I could stand far back. I didn't have to be near him. And um, I didn't even have to worry if he accepted the little treat that I put down because I gave it to him. It was available. So yeah. even if he didn't want to grab it, it was there. It had been given. Right. It was there. Mm -hmm. It was his choice if he wanted to go for it or not. So for him, this was a, um, a good experience because he didn't have like the vibration of my voice to deal with. He didn't have my emotion to deal with. Oh, yeah. You're adding in so many other sensory and other inputs that, that make it more complicated. So really that, that clicker, it yeah. becomes the representative of all of those things in one. Yeah, so this this is the communication tool. This is how you can deliver positive reinforcement to your child that is very specific. And all kids with under with autism, they understand this right away, you know, provided you do it properly. Right. And um so we're to get back to our uh topic of communication. Yeah. The communication loop is the child behaves. And the child has lots of physical movement and the child performs certain physical movements. And generally, whatever movements the child is performing are movements that are reinforcing for the child. So if you have oh, a lot of yes. and mm -hmm. a lot of running around, well, then you know that somehow that is reinforcing for the child and the behaviors that are not occurring like quiet mouth or sitting, those behaviors are not being reinforced. Behaviors Absolutely. Are, you know, right. behaviors that are not reinforced uh, disappear from the inventory. Yes. So, oh, it makes so much sense. Absolutely. So when, you see, when you look at your child, you see, you know, certainly in the early years, like for us, it was all horrible. <laughs> <laughs> really, I mean, it's just so chaotic and so difficult and right. so challenging for the families and such an impact on, on the parents and the children to have such a disruptive family member, which is very sad. But 
that child is reacting to the level of reinforcement in his environment. And most kids with autism are in a very low reinforcement environment. So, yes. you know, specific reinforcement that is targeted and that is done with um, intent. Mm -hmm. So, right. Because uh, it's, it's hard as a parent to dis to kind of, like you said, there was so much going on to, to pick out those small minute things that you can reinforce. Yeah. And, but, but yet having that communication device that can do it in an instant, because our voice, you know, our words take so long um, and action, you know, we can remove them from the situation. But by the time we do that, we're, we've not reinforced anything. Yeah. And also it's hold gone. And, right. and just hauling yep. away, that might be pleasurable for a child with autism. Exactly. You know, like mom is lifting me up. Oh, I like being lifted up. It's kind right. Of so maybe I'll do that again. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, your child behaves, your child does what he does or she does. And so whatever he is, he or she is doing, you know that that is reinforcing for the child. If the child is not doing things that you like, then this is where you insert the positive reinforcement. And for my son, most of the time he was very disruptive. So I had to wait. Uh, this was what I really had to learn to do. I had to wait and I had to learn and teach myself to look at him and wait for that second, that one second when the mouth was quiet, the arm was down, or who knows, there are many other good things that children can do. But they are such tiny little opportunities. They're so fleeting. And this allows you to capture it. And that's what this whole procedure is called. It's called capturing a behavior. And these many seconds of calm or quiet or whatever that it is that you're looking for, they are rare in a child with autism. Oh, absolutely. And you don't yes. want them to elude you. Um, you, you want to take advantage of that rare split second. And the good thing is, once you reinforce that rare split second, that child will perform it more often over time. A child right. will, as you continue reinforcing that behavior, like quiet mouth, and the child eventually will perform it for longer periods. So my son hmm. screamed constantly, but you know, within short order, I was able to take him on a seven hour car trip with only, you know, the occasional Yelp. Wow. So, right. So how did you transition from, you know, doing like clickers and in like those instant moments to when his behavior started getting better? What, how did you still utilize that or what, uh, I guess I'm trying to figure out, you know, you're not clicking it all the time when all of a sudden his behavior is getting better. Um, how does that transition happen? Oh, that's a great question. Because <laughs> what I first, what I first talked about is capturing. Right. Behavior, right. And then your next step is once you have more of those little behaviors, you shape a new uh -huh. skill. So you shape a new skill. So example, my son was always screaming and running around. So he eventually had less noise, but I wanted to be able to go outside with him and walk because going outside was a real um, you know, high blood pressure event because he would dart this way and that way. Oh yeah, right. So mm -hmm. then I had to, I literally had to teach him to walk. I mean, he could run every way, but like right. to walk down the block, you know, or walk down the hall in the grocery aisle in the grocery store. That was, that is too organized an activity. He was incapable of that. So I thought, okay, I've got this. And then my next kind of project was, okay, he's darting constantly. Let's see if he takes two steps in the same direction. Cause he would okay. take one step, turn and bolt, one step, turn and bolt. So I thought, okay, the first time that he goes one, two, when I dropped it, sorry. So no, that's okay. Step, yeah. step. First step, uh -huh. second step. So pretty quickly I had him taking two steps in the same direction. 
And then I was able to make it three steps, one, two, three, and then four steps and continued along that way. And then he could walk with me and we could walk around the block. We could walk around the playground. And I was able to teach him to like walk next to me. So every time he came within range, okay. so he wanted to walk next to me. And so then that really opened us up because then I could take him for walks and taking a child for with autism on a long walk, like around the block and through the trees. That's an extremely beneficial activity for both a parent. Oh, absolutely. And a child. Oh yes. Yeah. It just leads to so much calm and yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then once he could walk safely and have quiet mouth, guess what? We could go to the grocery store. Yes. We went to the grocery store. And of course, you start off with very short trips, like you go in and you go out. But I got a hands-on cart. So he stuck with the cart. He walked. He was quiet. And we were able to go to the grocery store. And even for a very young child, if you have a child who's still small enough, you can put him in the seat. Teach them hands-on cart. Oh, yes. You flip it around later on. But if they have their hands on their cart, then they're not, you know. Right. Absolutely. Or grabbing things. and Yes. So and hands on cart, again, you might see if the child, say, is sitting in his little grocery cart. Here's the the handle. That child might just touch it. So. Okay. You know, you don't say, put your hands on the cart and then hold their hands. So every time. They touch it, and then the, the you know the other hand, and eventually, and then soon, eventually, just by chance, they will have both hands on, and you tag and reinforce that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then of course, again, it's up to each family which way they want to go. But I found these were very important skills because this is right. what you need to be able to do as a family. You need to be able to walk to the car, get in the car, go to the grocery store, and come home, and right without. Mm-hmm meltdowns, taking two cars and screaming. And you want the grocery store to be a good experience for your other children because absolutely, you want to teach them about food. You know, every family has cultural traditions. They have certain uh, favorite recipes that grandma makes or whatever. And you want to teach them about food and their culture. And you don't want your other children to miss out on that because absolutely not. Yes. A difficult child. So um, this system really helps me get the behaviors under control and much more manageable. And um, that's kind of where I, you know, and then of course we went off later and did academics, but that's kind of another discussion. I think. Um, so did you use that method in teaching academics? Oh, you betcha. You betcha. You use it for everything. Well, we were talking about... Oh, the direct instruction, yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. direct instruction for best best way to teach your child to read. It's very popular in the the homeschool community. Oh, yes. And you can find one of those used to how to teach your child and to read 100 easy lessons. um, But anywhere, yes. (laughs) Anywhere on the internet. Yep. So this is how... Let me get it up. Now, when I show this on my camera, are you seeing it the right way or is it flipped? Yes, we are seeing it the right way. Okay. Okay. Well, for those of you who are teaching reading, um, what you do in direct instruction is first the teacher or the parent models the sound. This sound is mmm. You've done this, right? Oh, yes. Yep. then Then you say to the child, do it with me. And then together you go mmm. And then, okay, now it's your turn. So, have your clicker stick. See, this is a. Oh, you attach gadget. it to a stick. Yes. Well, attach it to a stick. And now I point. I say, your turn. Mm. You tag the correct response. Yes. Now, now, my son was nonverbal. He could never have. I mean, some things he could say. Right. He got, mm. But other sounds, he couldn't. So, we signed them. So he would, oh, yeah. he okay. would sign them. I taught him to sign all the sounds. The more he signed them, the more we kind of got partials. And then, you know, we could get 
parcels on the word. Some sort of communication yes, yeah. and yeah. interaction and like yes, here, transference here of knowledge. Story. And this story is the word cat. Let me get it right in front. Yep. Cat. Cat. Well, he would say that. I knew he was trying to say cat, but he said right. that. So I thought, okay, you're saying, you're reading cat. You can't say that cat. But anyway, so this this is a great tool to use, you know, the pointer that teachers have always used throughout history. But you add the little tagger, and so the learning experience is one of all constant success. Yes. And that's, that's exactly why it's so good for the child, because the child is only hearing success. Um, in our tag teach world, we don't punish. There's no punishment. There's no timeouts. Um, it's up to the teacher or the instructor to design whatever it is that you are teaching in such a way that the um, learning goal can be broken down into a single movement. And I think that is that is key. So if somebody was going to be using this concept and looking for curriculum, I would say that what Martha just said is the key to finding the curriculum that's going to work because it has to be broken down enough. So that's where the direct instruction um, and some of the other things you talked about towards the beginning of the show too, um, that there, there are some curriculums that are much more simplistically broken down unless, you know, you're an experienced educator and you feel like, um, you know, I, I have a lot of experience in writing curriculum. I know I had, there are some homeschool parents out there that, that do have that, that background and they feel they can tackle it. But most, most typical parents, I mean, I had no teaching experience yeah. at all. No, so no. I, I needed that help. I no. was looking for resources no. like that, no. but, um, but to be able to use this method that you really do need to have that, that really broken down a lot yeah. for you and your student. I, uh, and you can apply this method to, to anything, to teaching a child to get dressed. Um, there are so many tag teach videos about teaching shoe tying. Oh, yes. Shoe tying, it's excellent for so many things. There's so many ways to go about it. Um, it's excellent for teaching um, pencil grip, you know, and- uh, Oh, yes. And, and, and it always with tag teach, there's no force or coercion for the child. Like if you're working with a child and you want that child to start being aware of the pencil, you would put it down. And then when the child just touches it, tag. You know, touch, yes, tag. yes. Get used to this thing. You don't have to do anything with it. Just get used to it. It's okay. It's a nice thing. It's, mm -hmm. And then if the child, what if the child were to pick it up like this? Um, no tag for now. You know, the child picked it up. Right, because they weren't instructed on how they to hold it properly. Yeah, play yes. with it, and eventually, as all of this becomes more comfortable, you um, you carry on, and so it really is a communication between the child and the parent. Because again, you observe the actions; the child, the child's actions tells you tell you what he thinks or what he's being reinforced for, and then Absolutely. it's your decision to decide what you are going to reinforce. And yeah, uh, and I think that would be really helpful if parents were writing a homeschool IEP that you know they could have broken down into what what they're really focusing on for the goals and then to break that down into smaller goals and then you could use this type of methodology yeah. um, and reinforcement much more um, efficiently and and in a in a way that you're targeting those those high those highest priorities, yeah. <laughs> which because yeah. otherwise you could be you could be tagging everything, and I think if that would be that would be so confusing for your student if you were trying to reinforce too much all at the time same time. Is that correct? Yeah, I find that we always have found in the tag teach community that it, it's pretty obvious for parents once they start with this what they can best work on because generally you have some emergency that's going on. Or yes, something. exactly. It's <laughs> happening all the time and everything else gets shoved out the window, which is fine. I mean, that's fine. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But there are always opportunities throughout the day to encourage, um, to encourage good behavior. And I, I mean, I know like back in the, the very short time our son was in school, there'd be an IEP goal, like sits on chair for 10 minutes. <sighs> You know, and it's like, 
we all have to eventually, at some point, our child has to sit on a chair so you can teach. But I would put that chair out there. I'd put a lollipop on the chair. And as soon as he walks, walks over to that chair and grabs that lollipop and have nice things on the chair and tag that child from looking at the chair, touching the chair, sitting on the chair, might like bounce on it for a second or two, but so what? And make right. that shape that shape that idea that the chair is a fun place. The table is a fun Absolutely. place. Yes. I, I, I get success. I sit at the chair. I get success. I touch the book on the table. Mm -hmm. success. And eventually you build it up. And um, another of our tag teach rules is uh, don't push, you know, like, right. while you're ahead. That's one of our, that's one of our, um, recommendations is uh, you always have to monitor your child. If the child is getting fatigued, then you, Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and they can have very, sh you know, it may only be three minutes that you can do. Mm -hmm. So, Hey, you got those three minutes and then you give your child something easy to do, like touch this object, child, touch it, tag. Okay. You're all done. So you always want to end with something that's easy for the child to do that you've reinforced. And, um, then you just carry on. Right. Um, yes. You can really decrease the disruptive behaviors, increase productive behaviors, and then start to function more efficiently as a family, more normally, and right. you know, be able to do these routine out outings that everybody else takes for granted. <laughs> exactly. And then yes. you can go from there, but that's a whole other... Uh, yeah, and I think that that leans into a lot of um, families always come and they, they, they pull this child out of school and they're so panicked that they've got to do school. And yet there's these behaviors, these mental health issues, all of these other things that you can't teach if those things are there. And so make those school um, like, like Martha's talking about your main priority was behavior um, yeah. because behavior was in the way of learning anything else. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was the first goal that needed to be learned anyways. Yeah. Um, so, so exactly. yes. Yeah. So, so parents, um, I know we, we got a, a question from a mom who said, I'm, I'm fairly new to homeschooling. I'm in my second year. We're in the process of adopting three, a three-year-old, beautiful little girl with autism. I really don't have a specific question. I'm just trying to learn a lot and gather information. Um, and so, so I guess my greatest, um, just piece of advice and encouragement to you is um, to to do what Martha did first <laughs> and and to really develop that relationship and to make sure that that behavior, whatever she has and coming from, um, yeah. you know, if she's being adopted, there's probably some trauma um, that you're going to be dealing with and other things. I um, having 10 adopted siblings, I know. Um, and and so. So yeah, there's there's going to be a whole lot more before the teaching happens, yeah. and and I think um, this this technique that Martha's talking about um, may be very beneficial to you to to try, um, especially if communication is very difficult. And I find that you know for kids who have attachment issues, um, they kind of shut down communication. But I could see how that that really um, abrupt interaction um, could really wake them out of whatever trauma that they're, they're processing too. Um, and so that, that would be helpful as well. Do you have any other um, oh, yes, things yes. to share well, with her? I, I would really recommend that this mother um, kind of dive into positive reinforcement and the details of that. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned the attachment because these, you know, many children with autism, regardless they tend to drift off by themselves, which is okay to an extent, but you do want them to be integrated with family and friends. Absolutely. To the, you know, to the most productive extent possible. So if you can imagine yourself in the middle of like a 10 foot circle, you know, so there's 10 feet around you and you're in the room with this little girl and I don't know if she would wander away, but let's let's just say for sake of this example that this little girl wanders away. She doesn't maybe she doesn't want to be close to people. So you've got your imaginary 10 foot circle and she wanders into the circle. You tag. 
Oh, yes. That's beautiful. She's wandered into the 10 feet circle. Maybe she's at nine feet. (laughs) And so you can hand her the tag, hand her the little treat that you have. She may not want you to come that close, but you could put it on a little dish. And so there it is. Right. Wanders away from the 10 feet, 10 foot circle. She wanders back in. She's at eight feet. You know, you tag and you reinforce. You don't have to say anything. And and so eventually she will be quite close to you. She'll be right you within three feet. And then she may come right up in front of you. Tag and a little treat. And if you want her to say walk over to grandma, same thing. Create your imaginary circle. And every time she is within, say, seven feet of grandma, then five feet of grandma, tag each of those things. Um, you know, in American uh, society, eye contact is a big deal. You know, the, the straight right. eye contact. That's only in our culture. In other cultures, it is Right, absolutely. So this is a great way for teaching whatever eye contact is appropriate in your culture. And, um, you know, and, and as teachers or, you know, as we become instructors, we kind of want our kids to look at us, to give us that little glance like, oh, I got it. Or, oh, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and many children with autism find eye contact aversive. So you can, again, or with your child, you know, you can make the imaginary circle around your child and you and so say the child's head is um, off in this way. Well, what if he turns it a little closer? Oh, so, yeah, yes. So, so soon you have it. And then more as it comes more to the front, you can tag that. You can tag where the eyes look at. Um, many times we want our children to look at things because right. the um, object, uh, of course, eventually we all want to get to reading with our kids, but um, you can set things around the room. And if they look at it, tag, because you want them to learn to focus on on objects. Right. And those are all the, the elementary skills, looking at things, looking at people, walking towards people, and that kind of thing. And you don't ever have to say a word. You just yeah. you do have to sit back and just wait for it to happen. And you don't have to really even praise in the beginning, I would avoid that because you don't know what the, you know, how the child is going to react to your voice. Right, exactly. Yeah. And you can can also accustom your child to your voice by saying, let's say this child's name is Sally. You could just say, Sally, Sally, and tag and reinforce your speaking so that she understands when she hears her voice that's a success. That's a good thing. She it's a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all these underlying behaviors that you can capture, remember, that's what we want to do. We want to first capture those rare, elusive split seconds and then shape them into bigger and better behaviors by constant reinforcement. And then, and as they get more reinforcement, these are kids, they, perform more behaviors. You're going to just see them doing more things. So then again, from that new set of behaviors that they're performing, you can select, ooh, that's really good. That's not so great. That one's good. And you can can continue to extract and promote the more productive behaviors. And soon you're on a really good trajectory. It, uh, It takes time. This is not a quick fix. Right. Those of us who are homeschooling special needs kids, we know there's no quick fix. Right. It's a lot of time. So. Yes. Yeah. So if you haven't figured that out, you haven't been homeschooling long enough. (laughs) Yes. Yes. No second will go to waste if there's a. Yes. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Don't waste that second. Mm -hmm. Grab it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, parents get stressed out about a lot of a lot of different things, you know, and a lot of times when especially when people first start homeschooling, you know, they're, I want to get my child caught up. I want to, you know, yeah. want to get them doing this and this and this. And um, and and I know we've kind of already addressed that that's probably not the mindset to, to enter into this um, <laughs> scenario. Um, but but there will be a time when parents are, are you know, considering how much can we do? And I know we got a question from a viewer that she asked, um, how will I know if my nonverbal child is able to read? 
Um, do you have any um, advice for that parent um, who is, you know, contemplating, is this even a, a goal? Oh, I think so. I taught my child, I taught my son to read. I mean, I was determined. <laughs> You've got to be, yes. Yeah, other, no child of mine was going to be nonverbal or non-literate. So again, I started with this book. And, um, this yes, and that's book, Teach Your Child to Read in 100 Easy Lessons if you just joined lessons. us. Yes. That's how it started. And there is, um, this is an example of a whole body of curricula that is referred to as direct instruction. I can give Peggy a link. She's probably familiar with the National Institute for Direct Instruction. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, there are many curricula for teaching um, reading and math. There's um, a direct instruction computer-based program called Phonics Reading, F-U-N-N-I-X Reading. Yes, I've seen that. Mm -hmm. Phonics Math, F-U-N-N-I-X Math. And those are very good. And once again, all the same rules apply. Start with the easy stuff. Have your child touch the book. Have your child turn a page in the book. You know, real right. simple stuff. And then... Um, this is lesson one, and you begin with the mmm sound. Now, my son could not say this. So, again, I use sign language. He signed all the sounds, and he was able to do that. Another, um, let's see if I have an example. Ooh, I know. <laughs> Another thing you can do with such a child is you can teach the teddy bear. So you can demo the whole thing with a teddy oh, bear. Oh, that's a great you can idea. Tag when the teddy bear says, mm, I'm a teddy bear. Uh huh. <laughs> Take the pressure off the child. The child doesn't have to Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. Just yes. watch the teddy bear do it. Or if there's a somebody in the family, like a sibling, who wants to, you know, play student and right. be part of it. There, there's so many things you can do, you know. This is your guest learner for the day. <laughs> Those are all things that make it fun. And you always want to go slow. That's you want Absolutely. to follow the child's pace. The minute you see them flagging, you stop. Yes. Yep. And, um, mm -hmm. Anyway, um, so yes, you can definitely teach your child to read, even if they cannot speak. Because right. my son ended up signing all the sounds and then he, then I had him sign the words. So it's cat, horse, dog. So he so, can spell. Yes, he yes. can spell. Mm -hmm. Spell. So yes, but, but again, these are. This is. Um, so it's it's very much possible, and kind of at that point, every family, you know, it, it depends on the child. You have to go at the child's pace, but you can certainly teach a nonverbal child with severe autism to read. It absolutely can be done. And um, then the next question I would always get is, oh, but do they comprehend? And I have to say that is a very difficult thing to assess with a child with autism because absolutely the expressive capacity is often very limited. I mean, often they can take in a lot more what we call the receptive right. than the expressive. And for my son, if you ask him to express, that was just too much of a burden. You know, he that's just okay. You know, he, he he can't operate in that channel where he expresses. That is still very much closed down. And mm -hmm. um, but he could sign, and you know, I I knew his comprehension was limited early on, but as we kept progressing, I could see that he was kind of understanding things. And then just three years ago, when he was. Um, 24, I started all over just every evening. We did an hour of reading tutoring with direct instruction. Really? Yes, just he wanted to do it. I wanted to do it because right. I wanted, you know, I wanted to repeat and get, you know, do it again. Right. And the second time around, of course, he's an, he's an adult then. Yeah. A lot more experience in life, but I really could see also from the way he would point at things and react or um, that he was comprehending. Yes. So it wasn't perfect, of course. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be where you would really love it to be, but he can read. He can look at street signs. He knows what they say. 
you know, it's not like, you know, for us, if we went to Korea, right. know, we saw all these street signs and things in the Korean language, we would feel totally lost. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, but, so for him, he, he's not like living in Korea. He can look at the signs and he can, he can, yes. and he can comprehend them. So, and, and really that, you know, that, that ability to communicate just goes, it goes beyond just the ability and being literate, I guess it goes beyond the ability to read a book. Like you said, it's the signs, it's, it's the, you know, other things that we interpret on a consistent basis in our society. And we become literate by being able to translate that into an understanding of some sort. Yeah. Um, we have one question that okay. was submitted before too that I really want to make sure that we sure. approach because um, this this was really good. Um, oh, yeah. Elizabeth asked, "How do I communicate these techniques with our other child's caretakers? So whether you know you have um, tutors that you yeah. use, or therapists, or maybe grandma and grandpa help out, or there's yeah. all these other people that it's, and so it's not just you, <laughs> but, right. but how do you make, how do you communicate that um, well, and make um, sure it stays consistent? There is my website. I have a, yes, I have a website that has all kinds of explanatory and introductory articles. There's a free video series that explains how it works. And then the Tag Teach International community, they have a YouTube channel, so you can see demos like shoe tying. Oh, <laughs> that's such a popular thing. But yes. um, and and not just with autism. I was just looking at the Tag Teach YouTube channel, and they had an example of a veterinarian who was teaching um, vet techs how oh. to handle a python. Wow. How you know like how do how do you hold this animal? So. Um, there's lots of teaching materials available uh, on the Tag Teach website. Uh, we have free courses, um, free video series. All everything on my website is free. There's the two free ebooks that I've given uh, Peggy the links for. So there's plenty of explanatory material. But basically, it's just it's positive reinforcement. It's positive reinforcement and. Um, Right. It's so your website is used. It is so widely used. Um, mm-hmm. There is a, a new uh, tag teach faculty member, uh, Dr. Martin Levy. He teaches orthopedic surgery interns oh. at a hospital in New York City. He teaches them how to conduct orthopedic surgery, how to handle the drills, the saws, how to tie the knots. So he uses this. He has each of these um, tasks that we all want our orthopedic surgeons to know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that. You know, how to position that drill in the bone. You know, he teaches them all with this. He has a he has a month long curriculum that they go through and they come out and they are very good at handling the tools of their trade. So. And they come in knowing nothing about this. They pick it up very quickly and very quickly they they see. And I, I think an answer to that question is um, one thing that would be important for the parent to tell the show that caretakers is you need a you need to actually use your eyes in a different fashion. You need to look at that child's actions in terms of body body movements okay what what, how is that child moving his body because so often when we talk about behavior among the general population there's all this you know what one person i know calls cultural fog with all these kind of cliches like oh you have to set high expectations and oh you know you have to make them walk a line and toe the line and uh and those are you know, not bad, but something like having high expectations, how do you translate that to, you know, a child with autism in a caregiving situation? It's right. You know, you can't go up to that child and say, yeah, I have high expectations. Right. Yes. You have to make it very concrete and very measurable. (laughs) But if you can show the caretakers um, how to, 
look at the body movements and then it's pretty obvious which ones are productive. Like this one is not productive. Right. It's yeah. a terrible body movement. So have you, I, I'm assuming it would be good to share like what you've been reinforcing. Yes. Um, exactly. So then they, they kind of know, oh, till I'm going to look for this I'm, and then yeah. it'll just be an extension of what you're already doing. And I know parents do that with like therapy when they, their child goes to therapy, they ask the therapist, what, what are you teaching? So I can teach it at home exactly. and, yes. and we'll just exactly. transfer it back and forth. Yeah. So I wanted to, to read your, your website because I know our podcast listeners won't see our screen, but it's autism chaos to calm. And then you, you do have um, some behavior basics, two free eBooks. Um, and then you have a book also, um, Autism Chaos to Calm. Yes. So I'm going to have all of these links in the description of the YouTube video as well as the podcast. But can you talk a little bit about your book too, so our oh, families sure. know what yes. well, they will find in that? Okay. This is my book. It is Chaos to Calm: Discovering Solutions to the Everyday Problems of Living with Autism where I talk about how to start, how to develop the child so you can walk, you can go to the playground, you can go to the grocery store, you can go to the swimming pool, all of those things. Basically, everything in this small book is on the website. So it's, you know, the specific chapters in here are broken down into blog articles on the website. So everything that's in the book, you can see on the website. Um, sometimes it's nice just to have a physical copy. Yes. <laughs> and also, um, you know, when you go to the website, uh, it's kind of scattershot. This, this yep. goes from the, be you know, beginning to the end. Um, right. When I first started doing tag teach with my child, it was completely scattershot. Right. Experimenting with this. So I thought, and I, but it was so successful and so powerful a method other good things like low cost, a tagger, these little gadgets, probably they're a little more expensive now, but you can buy, you know, like five for $10. Okay. This is yeah. Standard tagger. There's also something called the eye click. If you have a child who's a little more sensitive. See, it's a oh, quieter. Yeah. Button. It's a little quieter. It's probably yeah. has, it looks like the button is a little easier to push too. Yeah. Some, I mean, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, like if you're outside with your child and you want to teach the child to kick the balls and the child is like 20 feet away, but does the desired movement and you're outside, this nice loud thing is good for outside. Absolutely. So, and then there are like novelty clippers. These are fun. Like hmm. here's a little pink pig. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. Turtle. Oh. Um, these can be fun because you can say to your child, do you want the pig or the turtle, Mr. Pig or Mr. Turtle, to teach you today? Oh, yes. You know, and right. as child points the turtle, you know, you tag with the turtle. So these are ways you can give your child choice. Right. And if you have a, and also if you have siblings, there are siblings, like you could ask a sibling to, tag quiet mouth in the car you're driving and the sibling could tag and hand over little treats for quiet mouth and if you've got kind of a crazy sibling you say "Ooh, do you want the eyeball the eyeball <laughs> watch out watch out keep an eye out as soon as, as soon as you see quiet mouth so oh, that's great funny things and it's it's a great thing kids learn tag teach instantly so if you have you know, younger siblings, they can just take over. Oh, you know, yes. Can, yeah. Tag good behaviors for a while. And then, of course, you have to praise and reinforce the siblings who are doing that, you know, let them earn tokens and all of that. So they get to, um, they, they get encouragement and success. And uh, kids are like automatic behavior shapers. They really take to it. So um, right. This is a book. It's been translated into Italian. Oh, wow. It's also been translated into Arabic by the Dubai Autism Center. And um, the uh, Tag Teach has many courses, the Tag Teach website. But uh, my website, chaos to calm has a lot of, lot of free information because Wonderful. I wanted 
this was such a great thing for me. It was so effective. And I thought people have to know about this. Absolutely. Not to. Yes. But at least make an informed decision. Study mm-hmm. it. Look at it. Look at the videos. Think about your own situation. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. Right. It yep. really is powerful. It's inexpensive. It's portable. You can use it anywhere, anytime. And right. uh, very effective and no force, no punishment, no coercion for the child. And once you learn it, it's fun. Yeah. It's yeah. Fun. Mm-hmm. It, so yeah. It make a very difficult situation a lot better. It won't cure the child or anything like that, but it will right. elevate the capacity of the child. Absolutely. Yes. And, and make those interruptions. Like you said, they're, they're just so at the beginning when you're trying to, to kind of enter that chaos. And I love that title of your book, um, Chaos to Calm, because that really has been what, where you have brought your son. Can you share just a little bit of where your son's at right now? Because I think that's going to be an encouragement to families. Yeah, yeah. Well, my son is now 27 years old and um, he's I have to tell you, he's a very cheerful young man. He loves to go out. He loves to have a good time. He's always ready to, you know, go to Costco or go to the park or whatever. So he is, awesome. he is a happy person. He's cheerful. And um, we were very lucky when he was 14. We got him involved in therapeutic horseback riding. And now he works at a nearby um, public riding stable. He goes there every day with an aide. And he does all the chores around the barn. He feeds the horses, he stacks the hay, he mucks, and he has a great time. And he's physically strong young man. And of course, all of our kids have autism and sensory issues. So for him to be in an environment with a lot of walking, yes. a lot of lifting and carrying is very good. And he's very successful there. He's um, a valued worker and he loves it. So we have had... Um, you know, we have had good luck. Now he still has his his eruptions. You know, the autism never goes away. Right. But um, for the severity of his condition, and if you look at the general population of people with that severe a condition, I mean, he still hits his head. That still happens. Mm-hmm. But if um, um, there's a uh, Peggy, you may have heard of the National Council on Severe Autism. And if you read their stories about these children and these young adults, and they literally bang their heads on the floor and break. break, Yes. You know, and then they erupt into ferocious tantrums and they destroy all the furniture and punch holes in the wall. Right. You know, that's that's not uncommon. And of course, it's very no. difficult to get help for them. And right. it, many yep. parents are in that nightmare. Mm-hmm. And we have a son who is equally severe, but he's he's in a better place. Right. And yep. that would not have happened without the science of ABA and particularly the tag teach application. And then, of course, my husband and I work with him constantly. So, I mean, we're both right. working with him all the time. Mm-hmm. But you have to have kind of a, a road roadmap or a, a, a method. Right. And, uh, that's how I was able to get all those very difficult, chaotic behaviors down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing and thank you for just allowing us to, to glean some wisdom from you, um, from your years of, of homeschooling and working with your son. And just what an encouragement that is um, to, to families. Um, I know a lot of families do have those elopers and kids with severe behavior. And um, later on this year, we're actually going to be talking more about behavior for an entire month. But, um, but just having the ability to kind of break into that, that chaos, um, and create calm. So if, um, check out, um, Martha's website again, it's autism, autism, Like she said, you'll find all of her resources there. And, um, we just appreciate you, Martha, and your willingness to share with us. Well, <laughs> this has been you. great. We also have a tag teach group, particularly for the chaos to calm type community. So there's a, you know, of course that's all, free and everything and uh, right yep we have lots of resources and it's a very it's a very dynamic community and international it's all over the world so wonderful yeah 
Yeah. Um, that's the other thing. No matter what the language is. Yeah. That device will work. Yes. <laughs> enforcement. So. Wonderful. Well, well thanks thank again. Much. Yes. And thank you for all that you do. And um, what a blessing it is for your son to have a mom like you who is so persistent. <laughs> and now you're sharing it with other people. Yeah, and so that's a blessing to many. Well, thank you very much. I love talking about it and uh, I can go on forever. So (laughs) (laughs) yes, well, we are going to continue this conversation with another guest actually on Thursday. I've got two shows this week. We we, uh, didn't have a show last week, so we're making up for that time. But we're going to talk on our next episode about teaching nonverbal students and how to tap into their communication pathways. Um, So you'll want to join us for that conversation as well. And the podcast will just be the next week's podcast. So, so either way, you can join us um, with those conversations. So thank you again, Martha. I appreciate you. you. And um, thank you all of our audience for joining us. And we'll see you here next time on Empowering Homeschool Conversations. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. This has been Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. Hello, hello. Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's word one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search your daily Bible verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's word.